The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. Hi, I'm Thomas Salerno, and you're listening to The Secrets of Monarch, Legacy of Monsters, where we're discussing the new Apple TV Plus sci-fi series that ties into the Godzilla Kong cinematic universe from Legendary Pictures. And joining me today on the panel are Patrick Mason. Hello, Pat. Howdy, Thomas. And Jeff Hecker. Hey there, Jeff. Hey, Thomas. And be sure to follow along with the secrets of movies and TV shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or your podcast player or app of choice. And you can also follow the show on the StarQuest YouTube channel. And please do us a favor by sharing the podcast with your friends, because we've got a lot of great movies and shows to discuss on the months ahead. And you can find StarQuest on social media. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Media. Or on X, where we are at SQPN, or on Instagram, where we are at StarQuest Network. This is a follow up to the episode we recorded a couple months ago now on the MonsterVerse movies. And this is actually not the first television show they've done in this universe. It was an animated Kong show on Netflix, which I didn't see. Have either of you seen it? No, I haven't. Yeah. The trailers didn't really grab me, and I don't have Netflix right now. I, I can't pay for all these services, so <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I, I missed that one. But this is a live-action show, the first live-action series for the MonsterVerse. And I'll just quickly summarize the plot. It's a pretty complicated plot, I thought, but Wikipedia has a nice summary. They say, in 2015, one year after the reemergence of Godzilla... Half-siblings Kate and Kentaro Randa investigate their missing father Hiroshi's connection to Monarch, the covert organization monitoring giant monsters known as Titans. Two generations earlier, Bill Randa and Keiko Miura are scientists involved with the early development of Monarch, and former Army officer Lee Shaw becomes a close ally to the Randa family across both time periods. What did you guys think of Monarch Legacy of Monsters as a show overall and as a an installment in the MonsterVerse cinematic universe? What about you, Jeff? Yeah, it was pretty fun to watch. I thought overall it was pretty it was enjoyable and entertaining. Maybe not as much monster action as I was hoping, but yeah, it was entertaining. I don't know that I, if I wasn't a fan of the films that I would like I don't think this would draw me in. I don't think this is something you would I'd be curious to know if anybody watches this show and hasn't and isn't a fan of those movies because I feel like it's pretty, I don't know that it stands up as well on its own as some, I'm trying to think of like an example of some of the Marvel shows, like maybe the Netflix shows, those can stand up on their own, but you knowing they're part of the larger universe. Whereas this is like, it's, you have to be into it, but I think it was enjoyable. It was an, a nice kind of inter, bring some connective tissue between the films and the stories that we've, and as we get into it more, we'll talk about that. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I, I think it's worth watching if you like them, if you like these movies. How about you, Pat? I, I really liked it. 
pretty much from the the bolts and the nails all the way down to the the acting and the, the people they chose, the actor, the casting, the dialogue. I love pretty much all of it for the first part because I've always been curious as to who the heck Monarch is, and like it, you go from the first two installments, Godzilla and then Kong, Skull Island, and you learn a little bit. And then they tease it. And then, like, when you get to Godzilla King of the Monsters, it's okay, this organization has an underwater facility and that obviously millions and millions of dollars at their disposal. Who are they? Where did they come from? What's their story? And so, this is exactly what I wanted it the delving into that. I really liked how they handled time stuff. I thought that was really cool. I love the music. I absolutely adore the trailer. Oh, the trailer's and, great. Yeah. Yeah. The, or the, and the intro, sorry, not the trailer, but the intro. And oh, the intro yeah. Yeah. I just, and I liked the characters. There was one character thing that happened that was, yeah, whatever. But the rest of it was really good. I thought all the characters were really great. The people we got to know, their backstories, how it you know, moved their story along, and how they played a lot with time from the first episode all the way to the last episode. So I am curious, though, as if somebody who isn't familiar with the other films, how they would like it. Especially the beginning, it struck me very much as like an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, show. Yes. I Yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah. But I think the, the further it got, the more I liked it for it and less for its place in the universe. Although I still okay. liked it for that. Yeah. Yeah, I was really excited about this show. Obviously, I'm a massive Godzilla fan. So if you had told 10-year-old me there's going to be like one day a live action show with Godzilla in it, I would have I wouldn't have believed you, but <laughs> <laughs> the the most I had on television for Godzilla was the the animated series that was based off the 1998 film, which was good. That was a fun show, but you always want to see Godzilla in live action. But I have an interesting kind of arc with this show. The The first few episodes really grabbed me. I, I was hooked. I was like, this is great. This is like X-Files, but with Godzilla. There's like <laughs> the secretive government, shady stuff. There's all kinds of, they're, they're trying to hide this from people. I don't know how you hide this from people, yeah. but, which, which they address <laughs> later in the show. I liked that. But yeah, the first few episodes really grabbed me. I really liked the characters initially, especially the characters whose story arc was in the 50s. I mm-hmm. really enjoyed seeing the birth of Monarch. I liked, and I like period pieces anyway, so I enjoyed seeing that. At about, I'd say the little, a little bit after the halfway point of the show. No, I, I can say specifically when. Episode, the seventh episode. It lost me. Mm. It lost me. It was a complete, for me, it was a complete nosedive. Because for me, if the characters lose me, it is very difficult to get me reinvested. And around episode seven, the characters just completely lost me. Like the, because that episode was almost all present day characters, and they were all doing stuff that was just grading my gears. Yeah, yeah, that was. I know. Yeah, I was trying to remember. That was the one right after Godzilla emerges. Yes. To be fair, when you have a a moment like that in the prior episode, you do have to have a cool down episode. I'm I'm not saying it. Yeah, I agree. It wasn't the best episode, but I think it. You can't have a Godzilla appearance in episode seven and then immediately go to another one in episode eight because then what are you going to do for the finale? The finale. Yeah. Have to ramp it up. So I think that was. 
Like I, I saw at least what they were doing from like the storytelling, you know, yeah, ramping up. But yeah, that episode was it was fine. It wasn't great, but you get some interesting backstory for the for Godzilla versus Kong at least. Oh Is yeah, that, we'll get into it with yeah. I liked that they the they put Apex Cybernetics mm-hmm. into yeah. this. You got to see yeah, yeah. where the background of that, where they came from, how they were intertwined with Monarch, but they were also working across purposes. So that was rather interesting. But I was just like. Yeah, just the present day characters, those kids. I was like, I don't care about you anymore. Let's go back to Shaw. I like him. I'm like, I'm, yeah. I was fully on board with everything he was doing. I was, but yeah. So I, it was a real struggle for me to finish. And I, I hate to admit this, but I went and looked up the final fight. Uh, without, I was just like, I just want to see Godzilla again. And I looked up all the scenes with monsters in them. And I was like, because I, I can't stand some of these human characters anymore. I, and plus, <laughs> I got spoiled before I could see the final episode. So I knew the big reveal of who survived from back in the 50s, that Keiko had not died. Yeah, and, we should probably like, yeah. everything we say is spoilers. Oh, everything. right. Yes. <laughs> I think, yeah, everything I think that, we say is spoilers. I think that becomes with any <laughs> SQPN show. Like, it's yeah. just like... Especially with this show. With this show, yeah. (laughs) Everything is a spoiler. I did like the kind of mystery box aspect of it. That you weren't always sure about people's motivations and who they were and why they were doing stuff. I will admit, that that kept my interest for a good two-thirds of the show. And even Shaw's, you didn't really know what angle he was coming at till more towards or the how end. he was, yeah. how his age was set up because he was because yes. I didn't really think about it at the beginning when it's like it's mm-hmm. in the fifties and he's young and then it's in the twenty fifteen he's older but not a, he's not fifty years older and he's was, not in his like late nineties yeah. the way he, yeah. he Aren't should you right. to be in your nineties <laughs> yeah. he mentioned that yeah, yeah. 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 And, and I, I was initially yeah. thinking it was like he came into contact with when Keiko fell into the. Axis Mundi, is that what it's called? The, yeah. Yeah, I thought initially it was going to be like, oh, he got in contact with a monster or something or other, and it mm-hmm. like slowed his aging. But I did like the time dilation aspect of it. which Right, yeah. Which when we get to the finale, I was like, I was expecting they're going to be a lot. I was like, are they going to come back and it's 50 years later again or something, oh. you know, something crazy? Because, yeah, I thought it was going to be that ion radiation stuff that was keeping everybody young. Even oh, yeah. though that's not how that works, but I was like, this is a monster movie. Radiation does all kinds of weird things to people. <laughs> so I figured, I'm like, and they keep talking about this ion radiation. I'm like, so that must be what keeps people young. But no, it was the time dilation stuff. And I like how they establish Axis Mundi as it's not quite the same as the Hollow Earth from Godzilla versus Kong. It's like this liminal area between our earth and the hollow earth. So it's cool that it it did do more to expand on the universe a bit. And I think that's what this show does well is that it gives you that sense of the broader universe and the things that are going on. Yeah. I I do want to bring up, we brought this up before, but that Monarch, I, I feel like the, the, the two cinematic universes that have done the whole cinematic universe stick really well are Marvel and the MonsterVerse. And both of them have an undercover agency as the thing that kind of connects all the films and stuff. Monarch is basically S.H.I.E.L.D. 
Yeah. So what do you guys think of that? Is is that is it just because that kind of trope works? Or is there, or did mon, or do you think the MonsterVerse really learned from what Marvel did? And because it, at the same time, it's not, re, it's not imitating it really closely, but it, the sim, the parallels are really there to see. Yeah, I think it's some of both. I think it is, it is a, a trope or at least a common theme. But I think it also like they Marvel did it really well, and I like Agents of Shield. Like I know it's mm-hmm. not technically canon to the MCU anymore. Depending, that can be debated in another <laughs> podcast. But, but yeah, I, I think they did it well here, and they they weren't trying to like completely imitate, but they were doing their own thing to interconnect the films with this kind of background thing, like how because because if you want to remember in the God, first Godzilla movie you don't really get any backstory as to what they're doing with, you just know that they're trying to kill Godzilla with a nuke in the fifties, or, or I guess it was the fifties, but you don't really know. You don't really get the sense of, Oh, they knew about Godzilla before that, or they, or that they like the whole story with that. So, so it was really cool how they built that up from seeing Billy Rand as like being the lone survivor of this Navy ship. And that kind of leading to, they're like, Oh, there's these monsters out there. Mm-hmm. That, and then of course the government immediately wants to kill them. Which goes according to plan as always. Yep, yeah. But, Nukes always then, work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then it, but it's cool how they survive the changing, the changing tides and politics of going from the fifties to the two thousands and expand, going from like basically three people to this whole organization. Yeah. Weathering all the winds of political change throughout that whole time. So it's, it could be interesting to see if we get a season two, because I don't think a season two has been announced at this point at the time we're recording. But that could be an interesting plot point of what are the politics behind this? Is there a politician who was af- affected by the monsters? And that's why they're able to stay around through, through the 60 plus years that they're, that, that, that we see them in. What do you think, Pat, about the, the parallels between Monarch and Shield? I think they did a really good job with Monarch because you have to think to yourself, okay, like, how, how do we interconnect these movies without, giving it away so much. Godzilla, the monarch's presence is very limited. <laughs> and then it's Kong Skull Island. It's much more present, but you just don't realize it. Like until you, you realize John Candy's character and, and some of the other, especially at the end of the movie, you're like, Oh, these guys work for that, that group, don't they? Yeah. And, and, and I then think John Goodman's character mentions it at the very beginning. And then you yeah. forget about it. Did I say John Candy? I meant John Goodman. Sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, John Goodman's character. Different. That'd be an interesting. Yeah, that would movie. be. <laughs> and then you get this kind of massive organization that kind of comes up out of nowhere by the time you get to Kong or get to uh, King of the Monsters. But it's it makes sense, right? After a certain point of technological advancement, if you have giant monsters roaming around the Earth, you're going to spot them. If we haven't found Bigfoot yet. It's not likely, guys. We'd love for him to be out there. It's just after a certain point, you're like, come on, man. But again, like it, it's not until you have the Godzilla attack, the, it's Godzilla fighting the Muto in the middle of San Francisco, where suddenly, yeah, it makes sense that this like semi-off-to-the-side, private, secret government organization would suddenly become a billion-dollar asset sort of thing, because suddenly the thing they've been cataloging the whole time is in the public eye. So I think they did a really good job of the transition of that from the secret organization you don't see to front center 
which it's it very much mirrors what they did with Shield yes. all the way through until you get to Captain America and the Winter Soldier. And it's interesting because for me, the whole time I'm trying to figure out is Monarch good or bad? Are they? Yes. yes. What's their role? Are they? And it's interesting. What I love about the show is that's going on in the show. Like they're in the fifties when they're building the organization, there's this kind of fight. What are we doing here? Are we cataloging? Are we trying to kill these things? What is the goal of the organization? Yes. And I love that back and forth between the army officers and the scientists. And you have, oh shoot, Wyatt. (laughs) I can't remember his character's name. And he's got that struggle going on internally because you can see him as a military man. Like Godzilla, you can't come up with a worse threat. Especially after he realizes, yeah, we bombed him and we didn't kill him. Like nukes don't kill oh, him. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> like, what do we do? <laughs> that was great when he said, "Only tell me what I need to know. Don't tell me anything." Yes. Like only tell me what I what your what my superiors need to know because the, the Keiko and and Billy could do the do what they needed to do and get the funding while Shaw's like the kind of the middleman. But he's don't tell me anything that could. That could throw a wrench into our plans here. Because then I don't have to lie to my superiors. No, that was great. I really loved seeing the origin of this organization. And yeah, Patty, it, re- it reminded me of how in in the first Avengers movie, S.H.I.E.L.D. comes out of the shadows and is now a thing. You know, So it reminded me of that kind of arc of the first phase of the MCU where initially the shadow organization, not probably not very well funded. And then all of a sudden, oh, you've got like a Norse god and his army of aliens attacking New York City. (laughs) I think we should fund this thing. Yeah, it was very similar to how G-Day affected the universe. Oh, and I love – The little things that they have, how everyday life is now affected. You have Godzilla alarms that go off. There's on the sidewalk, there's markers pointing you toward Titan shelters. There's like an app on your phone that goes, a civil defense alert that goes off when. And of course, those Titan shelters would do nothing in. Like it's how like, nuke shelters actual, would do nothing. Yeah, so. it's like when grade school, there's a tornado, get under your desk and cover your head. <laughs> it's not going to do any, really do anything. A shelter in place back in the, the days of the Cold War. Duck and cover, duck and cover. <laughs> yeah, it's like... <laughs> Jump in a ditch. That's <laughs> <Right. laughs> yeah, not... Okay. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> sure. Or just get in a fridge. That'll save you from a nuke. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, wait, wrong, wrong movie. What made me laugh was the taxi driver in Tokyo who had a podcast about his conspiracy theory about how G-Day was a hoax filmed with CGI. And I was like (laughs) – yeah, Because there would be people like that. It would be like, nope, it's all a hoax. None of that happened. And I'm like (laughs) – I would love to see that Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World in that universe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because you have – because in Godzilla vs. Kong, you have the other crazy podcaster. Yeah, I was yeah. Conspiracy the other way. Other way. Yes. Well, the the, <laughs> the so, government is is hiding information about the Titans and we need to find out more about it. So yeah, I, you, it, may, it makes the world feel more real when, oh, this has actually affected the way people live. Yeah, and you get the human cost of – you actually see the devastated San Francisco. And you don't really think about it, but they're yeah. not like – People can't go back to their homes if they, mm. they manage to survive. They really can't go back to their homes. And you have 
a whole industry that has been built up around yeah, getting people's stuff back yeah. from their destroyed homes. That oh, and how uh, like the city's overrun with cats. Yes. With feral cats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That yeah, that happens. <laughs> cats and dogs. They take over fast. Uh, yeah, th- that aspect of the show really drew me in where I was like, yeah, I'm like cuz normally in a Godzilla movie, even in the in some of the Japanese series where all the movies are connected in a kind of cinematic universe way, you don't get that sense that the world is that much different from ours. It's just that there's monsters in it. Whereas this one, it's, oh, no, people actually live differently. Because you just didn't know when one of these things could just walk up out of the ocean and destroy your city. That would cause a lot of anxiety for people. Well, yeah, they, they have that, and they're in that airport with the advertisements for the under the, the luxury shel- underground shelters. <laughs> that it's made like, me laugh, yes. Yeah, and I'm like, that would totally be a thing. That's almost a thing now. And and we don't have Godzillas, mm-hmm. <laughs> as far as we know. As far as we know. As far as we know, yeah. No, that's great. And one thing about verisimilitude, though, that, that threw me off, It's and I'm I'm sure you caught this, Pat, was when they were setting up, okay, I like the thing that they explained that the Castle Bravo nuclear test in the Pacific was an attempt to kill Godzilla. And they established that back in the first movie. Yep. But when they set it up in this movie, they say, okay, the bomb has 100 pounds of uranium in it. And I'm like, wait a minute. The Castle Bravo <laughs> test was a hydrogen bomb. Yeah. And that bit That's of trivia. That's what they want you to think. No, but, but that would be more powerful. And like that right. bit of trivia took me out of it. I'm, I'm sure you caught that, Pat. I, yeah, I did. I did. And I was like, I, uh, okay, I got to turn that off. <laughs> turn, the, turn that part of my brain off. Push the I believe button. Yeah. Okay, I pushed it. <laughs> <laughs> I did love that scene, though. That yes. was one of the, the the bits where he comes up out of the ocean. We finally see – we rarely see Godzilla in full broad daylight in these movies and shows. And it was cool to see him under a, a bright sun. By the way, the, the special effects in this show are really good. What do you guys yeah, think? Yeah, it doesn't yeah. – going back to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that – a lot of the special effects felt kind of hokey, especially the first couple seasons. And this, this never felt like that. This very much felt like kind of the Marvel – TV shows we get now on Disney Plus, like they decided, okay, we're we're going to invest the time and money it takes to do really good CGI, really good special effects, mm-hmm. uh, and practical stuff. So I I thought they did a great job with it. Yeah, yeah, it looked it all looked really good. Yeah, like this the various monsters, and, and I was going to ask you, Thomas, since you're more familiar with the lore, like the ice monsters that they saw in Alaska, are those something from? Like Godzilla mythos, or is that no? Kind of those new? were original. The those okay. kind of the one that looked like a pangolin, and like the had, ice mole thing, and it had ice breath. That yeah. was cool because it was an original monster. Now it's funny you should say are any of them from the lore because at first I thought the Ion Dragon was a monster I knew because when when I saw the Ion Dragon, I thought it was Gaios, a monster from the Gamera movies. Okay. And I was like, no way. I'm like, did they get the rights to use some of the Gamera monsters? Because the Ion Dragon looked so much like Gaios that I was like, 
and I even when my brother and I were watching, I brought an image up of Gaios, I think from the '90s Gamera movies, up on my phone and showed it to my brother. I'm like, "Tell me that doesn't look like the Ion Dragon." He's like, "That looks a lot like it." So e- e- even if it wasn't supposed to be Gaios, I think it was clearly a visual reference. Yeah, like they okay. they wanted to reference those movies, but at first I got really excited. I'm like, "We might see Gamera <laughs> in a future movie. That'd be great!" Like. Yeah. I don't worry. I'm sure there's a lawsuit pending now. No, yeah. <laughs> but besides Godzilla and that little bit of Kong we see at the very end, I'm pretty sure all the monsters we saw in this show were original. And I do like the way that the the MonsterVerse has been creating original monsters that are new to the lore. They, I, I would still like them to go back to some of the classic ones they haven't used, but. I do that we get a good variety of Titans. And with the mole thing, the ice breath, I'm like, that's new. But unfortunately, he killed one of my favorite characters, the Korean guy. Duho. Yeah. Duho. I love oh. that guy. Yeah. I was I like, you no, get him for Duho. one episode, and you're like, no, oh, you were so fun. <laughs> yeah, I love that guy. Yeah. I love when he's just, when he discovers, like, what's really going on and that there's probably a monster around. He's like, we go now! <laughs> they'll start running back to the play and I'm like yeah and yeah I did like the final fight between Godzilla and the Ion Dragon Godzilla uses his same finishing move that he uses on the Muto in the first movie where he blasts atomic breath down its throat and kills it yeah that was cool it seems like it's imperative with these monsters that you have to kill them from the inside out. There's no doing it from the outside. Right. <laughs> he gets Kong, Ghidorah the same way, yeah. Yeah, Kong seems like he's the only one who can take damage from the outside. The rest of them, you got to get mm-hmm. down there. Th- Even Kong has to rip the uh, skull eater or crusher or his insides out. <laughs> he rips out its guts, yeah. Yeah. I want to touch a bit on the human characters because – I actually looked it up. Godzilla is in this show for approximately four and a half minutes mm-hmm. <laughs> over like a nine and a half, 10 hour experience. Godzilla is in it for four and a half minutes. And there are some other monsters. Yeah. But it's really the human characters that have to carry this narrative. And I thought it was really cool that you had both Kurt and Wyatt Russell, father and son team playing the same character over different time periods. I thought they both did a spectacular job. What did you guys think of that? Before we get into that, I was just going to say, it, it shows you that the real monsters are the people. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that's in some actually, cases, yes. Like, that's, some, what yeah. I, that's what I took away from this. Is, mm-hmm. Yeah, like the legacy of monsters thing, Monarch, like a lot of that, they're talking about the people, not the about people. the people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, sorry. But yeah, to go back to Wyatt Russell, yeah, it's funny seeing him because the first thing I saw him in was not in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It was in a show called Lodge 49 on AMC, which is a a quirky show if you've never seen it. But he plays this like beach bum character who joins this like secret lodge, like one of those lodge society types. And they go into this whole, it's just, it's a fun show. It's really, but he's like a beach bum. And then I see him next in in Falcon and Winter Soldier, and he's playing a military dude. U.S. Like, agent, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so going from, if I hadn't seen him in, as U.S. agent, I might not have, I would have been like a little bit more jarred, but I think he does play a pretty good military guy, having seen him in this role as well, but I think he was great, and then, yeah, seeing him play both, you're seeing his dad, Kurt Russell, playing the older Shaw was, yeah, I thought that was a great idea, and 
I was jokingly, I was thinking, it was like, now nah, who's going to play the older Shaw in the next season when, cause he got oh, left behind, but so yeah, he's going to, when when whenever he comes back, he's going to be an even older. Uh huh. But and unfortunately, they're his, Kurt Russell's dad has passed away, so he can't be in the show. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, yeah, it was a cool dynamic to see because you get that continuity. Because, of course, Billy Randa, John Goodman, in like in a brief cameo is Billy Randa, but it's mm-hmm. mostly, I think his name is Anders Holm, is the actor who plays Billy Randa. So, yeah, I, I like that continuity of, because he's the only one that's, that's bridging both time periods all the way from the beginning to the modern. Like you see Hiroshi does too, but not as, but he's only in a cameo as a, as a couple times as, as a, a kid. kid. Yeah. And speaking you of, you get that connection from all the way from Billy Randa to he's the uncle to all these people. Yeah. What'd you guys think of Hiroshi and his double life, his secret life? That he has two families, one in the United States and another in Japan. And the whole time I'm figuring, like, why are you doing this? Was it essential to your monarch stuff that you have more than one family? I I just didn't understand why. That seemed like it seems to me that as a secret agent, if you were to have multiple families, that's just more ways you could be compromised. But I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think it, I, I don't think we get, we see how Hiroshi was dating or was his relationship with Kate's mom. I think the only thing they I think they reference that he's dating somebody in the eighties when Shaw comes back, and then you see him apologize to the nurse Emiko, who is Kentaro's mom, and that's all you get. So I don't know that they set it up. I guess if I like the sibling relationship, like the half sibling relationship between Kate and. Kentaro. So if it mm-hmm. sets that up, I'll give it a pass. But yeah, I feel like it needed, if they had more time, that would have been something interesting to see, like how they, how those relationships develop. But it all, it also seems like maybe Kate's mom was a marriage of convenience or like a marriage of, if maybe she was a citizen and he needed citizenship or in the U.S. or something. I don't know. Mm. That just, that thought just came to me. But yeah, I wish they, it'd be interesting to see if they set that up better because. They got a great actress for Kate's mom, Tamlin Tamita, who's been in a ton of stuff. Babylon oh. 5, she was in Star Trek Picard, Cobra Kai, and The Karate Kid. So she's been in a ton of stuff. So I hope we get more of her. In the, again, and I hope we get another season we can explore some of this. But Yeah, I liked how everybody had a secret. Oftentimes you thought you knew what it was, and then you didn't. Like you realized yes. what it really was. Mm-hmm. And... Um, like you were saying, the kind of puzzle box nature of the show itself. You know, you begin with Kate, or it's Kate, right? Going yeah, to yeah, this door from this set of keys that she opens, and you're making the same realization that she's making as she's there along with her. And you basically, what I really like about it is it you make the realizations about the secrets pretty much along with the characters. It's not a lot of secrets are like almost used as psychological jump scares in a lot of movies and TV shows. <laughs> Suddenly the good guy turns out to be the villain. Surprise, I'm the bad guy. What? Uh, frozen uh-huh. scenario, which it, it totally got me. Anyways, I like that you make the kind of realizations about the character secrets along with them. And you discover them as they discover each other's past and secrets and stuff. And even literally to the last scene where 
they come out and it's turns out, yeah, there's a monarch guy there, but there also happens to be the apex and she Mm -hmm. acknowledges, God, what's her name? May. Uh, May. And they're all like, wait, how do you know her? And there's this sort of, wait, what's going on here? And I just love the fact that no character is secretless. Like they all have something. And I really like that Bill Rand is forward in time instead of being back in time. Like he doesn't have Keiko where you find that her secret, she's got a son. Um, Yeah. (laughs) That's a pretty big one. His is about, his is, his secret is basically like Skull Island effectively and him throwing that his brief uh, and that scene with the crab monster and the giant spider yes. <laughs> coming out of the forest and fighting man what a way to start a show right yeah that was great <laughs> yeah, yeah and they were they it was right out of a scene in Kong Skull Island where the giant daddy long legs is chasing them and they established that, oh yeah during that scene Randa runs off and throws a briefcase into the ocean while the daddy long legs and this giant crab fight one another. Yeah, that that was really cool. Speaking of the secrets, like this will be an interesting one to go back and rewatch, like now that you have the full picture of the season because like, there's a lot of time jumping and around and you get things slowly revealed like you said up until the last minute. So I think this one will be worth rewatching and you can go back and see here are the breadcrumbs that were leading us to these revelations. I like too how you see scenes from some of the other movies in a different light where they they show Godzilla's initial arrival in San Francisco and there's the scene from the movie where the army fights him on the Golden Gate Bridge. And in the scene in the movie there are some school buses on the bridge and most of them escape. But this show establishes that one of them did not. Like you, you get to see Godzilla essentially accidentally kill a school bus full of children. <laughs> so it's you can see why a lot of people actually don't like Godzilla in this universe because he's responsible for a lot of, of death and destruction. And that, that's how they established Kate's character. She was a school teacher and had to see her whole class essentially killed during this event. And it, it traumatizes her. But yeah, even if Godzilla is technically a good monster, there's so much collateral damage because we're essentially like ants. He can't help but accidentally kill people. (laughs) Right. You think about, okay, you had a fight in downtown San Francisco, like how many buildings, how many people. Like you talk about, is one of the things from the Chernobyl accident that people have studied is they evacuated everybody around this giant demilitarized zone around Priapit. And then what displacing all of those people does to the various towns and cities around it. And like the massive rise in crime and the overcrowding, the underschooling, all of the problems that happened because of that. And you think about, and it's studies coming out of Katrina as well, because there was a mass exodus out of New Orleans for the oh. same thing. So you can study like East Houston and Baton Rouge and some of the other towns where a lot of those people moved to, to get a, a picture of what it looks like when you displace like a city full of people. And the kind of, there's lots of people killed in the initial damage, but there's a lot of people who have lives that were are nothing like they would have had. If not for this disaster. So many people have been affected both 
initially because Godzilla kills a ton of people, but then you have a bunch of people then who are left behind, who have lost loved ones, who have lost their homes, who know people who have been affected. Yeah, it's just like it. And, and here in New York, it's like where I live, it's 9 11. So many people knew somebody who, even if you didn't know someone who was killed in the terrorist attacks, you knew somebody who was affected by them in some way or was there and saw it. And yeah, it's like the, the way that's affected the city too is just, and how that whole area has been rebuilt with new buildings and stuff and just the way New Yorkers think now about security and stuff like that. Yeah, it's like events like that, major disasters, leave a big footprint afterwards. And the Marvel movies explored this with the whole registration thing with the government when they're like, there's too much collateral damage we have to regulate the Avengers and stuff. And you, again, see a parallel in this universe with Apex wants to essentially get rid of these monsters by building a counter. They're called Apex because they want humans to be the Apex species again on the planet, our rightful place, as they think. And they're in the midst of developing this, what will eventually become Mechagodzilla. So I like those breadcrumbs that were planted Oh, and before I forget, too, do you think the Godzilla calling device that one Japanese scientist invents, was that the kind of precursor of the Titan calling device from King of the Monsters I, that I, they use? Flat out, yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, just, it almost sounded – just and this Did is going off memory. Yeah. yeah, but it sounded very similar. Not exactly the same, but it's got to be, right? Because it does yeah. the same thing. <laughs> it does the same. It looks different, but I'm like, yeah. I'm like, because the whole MacGuffin in that film was that device that could summon a Titan. Yeah, I like that we, we're, we're getting to see the seeds of later movies, of King of the Monsters, of Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah, I, I just think that's really cool. If they do a second season... Though, what I would really like them to explore, and because this often comes up in the Japanese Godzilla movies, that there are also secretly aliens on the Earth who have an interest in manipulating the Titans for their own purposes. So if they do a second season, because there could be a lot of cloak and dagger stuff. Imagine if like they infiltrate Monarch or Apex or yeah. something like that. That might be an interesting plot line. I think what they need to avoid is the trap that Marvel fell into, which is suddenly there was like a million secret societies. And like, oh, eventually yes. you start doing the math, you're like, it, it appears that everybody on planet Earth was part of a se- <laughs> one or the other. There's 43 secret societies now, and they've all existed for 10,000 years or something crazy. And right. you're just like, okay. <laughs> I feel like they couldn't avoid that because that's in the comic books too. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because in I, I'm forgetting from from King of the Monsters wasn't did they establish that Ghidorah was an alien or yes. okay yeah yeah so you have that like precedent already and they could even do the whole because at one point I want to say the movie Pacific Rim was supposed to be part of it was intended to be eventually connect to the MonsterVerse films but they, they were thinking just, about it yeah. they didn't and but they're that whole the whole plot line is that. It's this other dimension that wants to capture Earth, and so they keep sending the kaiju in to to kill all humans. Yeah, it could be something along those lines. Some malevolent aliens, they want Earth for themselves for some reason, and 
they figure monsters, or it could even be from within the Axis Mundi. And, the, and that, that's something I was going to say is mm-hmm. like getting more exploration of that. And because you see it a little bit in the last couple movies, but this really gives you an idea of, like, okay, there's this whole world. Who knows how big it is? And we did see that in Godzilla versus Kong, but kind of establishing there's time dilation in there. So if you find other people, they may not be as advanced for, cause they're, there could be people found their way in and have been in there for seemingly years, but it's really been centuries on the outside. And there's yeah. a lot, there's a lot they could play with that in the future show or films. So I'm curious to see what they do with that. And I think they're going to, because I, I think, think you I'm, have to, because there's yeah. always so much, it's only so interesting for long. So for it's only so interesting for so long to see monsters attacking Earth. Like eventually, it's, we're flippantly saying it, but it's like, oh, a monster destroyed a city, big whoop. But you need some kind of <laughs> ramp. They need to ramp it up to raise the stakes to keep it interesting. So it could be something like we see we get into some like really interesting aliens, interdimensional stuff going on in, in that Axis Mundi. So, and we're definitely going to see more of it in the next film. Yeah, because they, I think they. I'm pretty sure most of Godzilla X Kong will take place in the inner earth. And we're already seeing, by the way, I hate when the toys spoil the film <laughs> because they're already, we, we're, they're already like showing toys of some of the different monsters, which I won't spoil in case some people haven't seen them. But I, and, but they're, they're original monsters, but still, but I'm like, okay, that's cool. I wish I hadn't known that. But we're definitely going to see more of the other creatures that have been living inside this whole other like ecosystem. Essentially, a parallel. It, it's a great way to do a parallel Earth while still having it be Earth, because it's it's very much like Journey to the Center of the Earth or one of those stories where. And I I think it's in it's either in Godzilla versus Kong or. King of the Monsters, where they establish, oh yeah, it's the Hollow Earth, and people are like, wait, isn't that like a crank? Yeah, it's in the monsters yeah. that they establish right. there's a Hollow Earth, but then they introduce mm-hmm. this as a whole other. Maybe they hadn't gotten there yet, and they, we can retcon it and say, oh, that was actually this thing that they got into this other world or whatever. But it'll be interesting to see see what they do with all that because there's a lot they could do. Yeah, I think when they go in Godzilla versus Kong, when they go in in those ships and they go and there's that like big dark space between them, the two portals, right? That's yeah. what I think of as the Axis Monday is that if they had stopped, that's where they would be. And sort of part of that ship's like shielding, to, to put it, was to deal with that fact. Because you, I can't remember the character's name, but the guy who's working on the Kong project basically and talks about going in, going down there. To, he's, he knows what's going to happen. Like he, he's, he's tried to do this before and it's hold on. Cause it's going to feel like you're getting torn apart the deal. And mm-hmm. you're like, when did he go in? What's his story? Like, how did he get in there? What is his adventure? I think about that. I would not be surprised if there is some sort of parallel Japanese organization. Oh yeah. And that, that was the thing that necessitated him needing to have basically two families. Oh, that'd be interesting. Is he was playing double agent on both sides. And so I think maybe we're going to see flashbacks with him. We have him as a little kid. We have him when Shaw comes back and we have him where they find him finally (laughs) later in the show, (laughs) later in the season. But what happened 
throughout his life and how did that put together. So I'm thinking if they do a second season, we're going to get a lot of that. If, especially if they keep going with kind of the puzzle box format, even though we've discovered a lot of his secrets, man, there's just so much there. <laughs> like still, There's a lot. Yeah. And the, yeah, I like that they don't answer all our questions. They leave it open where it's like, there's still a lot that's unresolved. It's the nature of cinematic universe, essentially. If they answered all our questions, there wouldn't be a cinematic universe to continue. So it's like, they have yeah. to leave some of these things open. They could in the, another season. There's the organization, I forget the name of it, in King of the Monsters that was like trying to release the monsters so that it would kill all humans. Like They were like an eco-terrorist. Yeah, group, and it, it could be something like where Monarch is countering that organization in the next season. You get some like inner, or you could see like that organization starting to develop, and Monarch being like, "We don't want to release all the monsters. It's a bad idea." And that could be Monarch's like Shield versus Hydra. It's like their original purpose was countering right. Hydra, and there's a lot they could do with that. And and yeah, I was even like when we got to the end of the season of, of Monarch, and it was. And they come back from the hall from the dimension or whatever. I was immediately expecting, oh, it's going to be like fifty years later, and we're going to see, we're going to see what's the result of what's happened in the monster verse movies, and then Monarch the show will cover that. But it was only two years, and that getting us to where Godzilla versus Kong is going on. Was it right when Godzilla versus Kong was going to happen when they came back, or was it was it like a different time? Oh, I was unclear about that. Okay, because yeah. they yeah. said it had been two years, but I don't know. The years in the prior films weren't as important as they are in the show, so I don't know. I'm, I couldn't remember that offhand been, if they were supposed to be. I think it's like 2017. It would have been 2017, right? Yeah, because they say the show takes place in 2015, mm-hmm. and so they established that, yeah, Godzilla 2014 took place in 2014. Yeah, so I don't know if they were saying like, because King of the Monsters was around then, 2017, I think. And then the next, Godzilla vs. Kong was 2021. So mm-hmm. maybe they're placing it with King of the Monsters, which is so maybe we're going to see have, part of Kong's story that we haven't seen yet. Yeah, because you have Kong in the storm, right? Mm-hmm. And in, by the time Godzilla vs. Kong comes about, he's inside the dome. Mm-hmm. Right, and because the rest of the island has been consumed by that circling storm, now it's just the whole island. So I'm, if I had to bet, it would probably be around the King of the Monsters movie, and then part of yeah, I think you're right, Jeff. I think part of what you're going to see is them building that dome for Kong, um, and probably the fight that's going to happen about wait, why are we keeping this thing alive? Right, this, you know, this is a Titan. What are we doing here? A deal. And it, and to explain like where the heck was Kong? Why didn't he show up to help? Like when the whole Titan calling thing that was especially that it was made to call Alpha Titans, and he's an Alpha, and he didn't show. And so it would be interesting to to establish that yeah, oh, he was. They had started to imprison him in this kind of dome network. It would it will be interesting to figure out how they got him in there. Like, how much right. tranquilizer do you need? <laughs> <laughs> to down a Kong, you yeah. need like a cruise missile with a giant hypodermic needle on it. It's <laughs> just <laughs> <a> crunch. <laughs> they just showed him Nicole Kidman, and she's chasing her into the dome. 
<laughs> Wasn't she in the like 2005 or 2009? Oh, in the, the, the Peter Jackson one. <laughs> Forgot oh that was Peter Jackson. <laughs> yeah, is that Peter Jackson? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, Andy Matthew Circus Broderick did one? the mocap for, for for King Kong. Oh, that's yeah. right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe there's an extended version of that. I'm like, it's there's, already interminably long. Are you kidding? There's an extended version? Yeah, I know someone oh. who only watches the extended version. <laughs> that's, ju- that's just... There's more know, dinosaurs a, in it. Yeah. Like, you that's know. just being a Peter Jackson aficionado. <laughs> you have to watch the extended editions. Yeah. I get it, but nine hours of Return of the King, even that gets rough. <laughs> Less than half of what I hoped for. <laughs> so you can yeah. tell we're starting to wrap up because we're talking about other movies now. But do you guys have any concluding thoughts on this show? Other ideas for what you'd like to see in the future? Theories, things like that? I hope we see Shaw again. I think it's. I think they very deliberately, we don't see his body. Like we just see he falls off the ah. ship. So they could very easily, it, the show could go on forever and they just come in 20 years. It's Monarch season 20 and they're, and they find Shaw still there, and it's been it's older Kurt Russell at that point, but he's or whatever, or it's been no, fifty he would, years, and it's still Kurt. He Russell. He wouldn't get older, yeah. Kurt Russell would, would be older, like the actor right. would be older, or they just do some would say, oh, it's time dilation in reverse, and it's and Shaw can play or uh, Wyatt can play young Shaw again. <laughs> somehow. Oh, he but, deages or yeah, something, yeah. yeah. Something. No, but I hope we, I do hope we find out what happens to him and that he comes back because I thought he was a cool part of the show, like being just that continuity between all the early days all the way to the current days. But yeah, I think I've already said all my thoughts or speculation on 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 the season and what I hope to see next, but what about you, Pat? Any closing thoughts? I'd expect it to span at least for the people who are in like the now time frame or the modern time frame to span between King of the Monsters and Godzilla versus Kong. I expect that to happen as part of the show. I hope they keep the puzzle box format. I, I really enjoyed it. And I, I enjoyed the way they did it, where you discover with the characters. And yeah, I do really, I agree. I want to find out what happened to Shaw. <laughs> and, yeah. And I imagine what the some of the modern characters are going to be doing is trying to get him back mm-hmm. through most of the season. That's going to be their quest. But yeah, I'm really curious as to what they're going to do. Yeah, and I'd definitely like to see what happens with Monarch between the 1950s and, say, 2000s-ish. Because in Kong Skull Island, it seems Randa has to go cap in hand to beg resources from the government. So it really seems that by the Vietnam War era, by the 70s, Monarch was back on a shoestring. And it would be interesting to see what happened Exactly. Where did it? Because we see the military take it over in the 50s, but then by the 70s, it's in disrepute again. So it'll be interesting to see what, what occurred in that and some of the other missing years that we've, that they haven't established. There's a lot they can do, both in the future and throughout the rest of the 20th century with this. Heck, they could even go back and do almost like a pre monarch or like what you were saying. Pat, show how other countries are dealing with this. Like, it was the Cold War. The Soviet Union had to have their own project going on, just like in real life where they both the United States and the Soviet Union had the psychic spying 
thing. Well, and that they one both... location where Keiko goes in, wasn't that Uzbekistan or something? Like Kazakhstan, something, yeah. Kazakhstan, yeah, something like aligned with the Soviet Union. So there's, yeah. Yep, it was part of the USSR, yeah. Yeah, and if both of them at this time were spending money on space programs, you got to believe they were both spending money to figure out what Titans were. And for the Soviets, their thing is, can we turn this into a weapon? That would be how cool do we to use see. use this against somebody else? Yeah. Because the Americans are like, how do we keep this from killing us? But yeah, but yeah, that that's what I hope to see in the future. It was a really good show. It's just, for, for me personally, that the latter half of the season was a bit rough to get through just especially with the present day characters because i stopped caring about them but (laughs) but yes more shaw more keiko more billy randa i like those guys i want to see more of what they've been up to and yeah and yeah if if they do another season we'll be here and i plan to cover godzilla x kong when it comes out so long live the monster verse monster verse But before we go, we would, of course, like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make this podcast possible, including Mark G., Donald S., Mike D., Craig S., and Dominic M. Their generous donations allow us to continue to create the secrets of movies and TV shows and all of our shows here at StarQuest. And you can join them at sqpn.com slash give. And now we'd like to hear from you. Are you a fan of the MonsterVerse? What are your thoughts on the Monarch series? And are you looking forward to Godzilla X-Kong, the new empire? Very much an homage, by the way, to some of the crazy Japanese titles for Godzilla (laughs) movies. I like Godzilla... Mothra, King Ghidorah, giant monsters all out attack. It's like that. But you can let us know all your thoughts by sending us an email at secrets at sqpn.com or by commenting on our Facebook page or on YouTube or X. And you can visit us on the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. And until next time, Jeff Hecker, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Monarch. Thank you, Thomas. And Patrick Mason, thank you as well. You're very welcome. Great to be here. And once again, I'm Thomas Salerno. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows on StarQuest. Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. The Secrets of Stargate. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash stargate. We'd like to thank Patrick McCaffrey of Moonshadow Studios for editing this episode. To have your audio edited professionally and with care, check out more of Patrick's work at moonshadowstudios.biz. That's moonshadowstudios.biz. 